Hey everyone, welcome to the final Story Studio podcast being recorded in 2019. Um, you guys probably won't, that won't mean anything when you listen to it in 2020, but that's the truth. Um, so there you go. And we have uh, with us today, Dave with the hat, Sean with the nose, and Johnny with the... The abs. The, uh, yeah, but you know what? You guys need to come up with something. Because it... it oh, Johnny's abs. Like, it's not insulting enough. Like, oh, oh no. <laughs> How about the cold energy? You didn't like that. Oh, I really hated that. Yeah, that's true. There you go. Use that one. Use it in your diss track. <laughs> your your intent, your intensity. intensity. Oh, you know what would be pretty fun is if we all made diss tracks for each other. Like I'd be <laughs> super into that. Isn't that what worst show ever you, is on me? Do you remember that episode of The Office where they roasted him? It would be just uh, like that. <laughs> I do. All right, who's got something cool? Um, I think does. I think Sean might have one today too. <clears throat> well, no, I'm, I actually wasn't prepared for that oh, okay. <laughs> that one, and I don't want to start talk, rambling and like endlessly about it. I'm going to do something. Um, wait, 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 uh, wait! I'm sorry. I was just commenting that you had it. You did offer it to Dave first. Um, well, with, no, no, no. It was I just thought that would be fun for him? Oh, okay. To talk about, and he brought it up. So, oh, I, I didn't know I, Dave was going to take that. When you guys can know what this mysterious thing is that we're talking about, unless he doesn't okay. go there, and then we'll just ignore it. Yeah, very quickly, there's a there's an Eminem diss track from Nick Cannon. That's the story. Okay. For for mine, there's a show. I think it's I want to call it uh, Happily Ever Whatever or something like that. I like that. It, as I, I believe is this the one that you <laughs> had such glowing things to say about? Yes, I believe it's yes. Mary Happy Whatever or something like that it, on Netflix. Mary Happy Whatever. It's with Dennis Quaid and it's a an eight episode um Christmas themed sitcom on Netflix. And it's the worst thing I've seen Netflix produce so far. It's so, so terrible, but in an interesting way that's worth talking about. So first of all, it's just bad. There is not one cliche in this that you have not seen like a million times before. It's got a laugh track in 2019. It, is it, it, it meant as satire? No. See, and if it was... Well, it, 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 maybe it's one of those comfort food sorts of things for the people that yes. like that. Okay. There's a huge market for that on Netflix. Dude, Adam Sandler is like the number one movie maker on Netflix. No, you're exactly, exactly right. And that's my point. So this thing was so bad. I had to watch a second one. We're like, okay, let's keep them going. This, this, this Literally, you value thing. your time less than I thought. Two, two episodes. And it was like unanimous. Well, there was only me and Cindy, but we both recognized how terrible it was. And we're like, okay, is the next episode going to be as bad? And Dennis Quaid is like playing a joke version of Dennis Quaid. And he's had all kinds of work done. So he can't emote. His face just looks like, oh, right. And then so it's just, it's so, so bad. You know, you're doing a diss track on Dennis Quaid. <laughs> and then so anyway, my point is I went to Rotten Tomatoes afterwards just because I wanted to laugh at bad reviews. Like that's the only reason I went. Oh, go and to Star Wars then. You'll get your share there. <laughs> I've, I've seen those. And so um, I saw all the ones that were like, yeah, this is terrible. And poor Dennis Craig, what, why did he melt his face? Like, those are all there. And the critical consensus is somewhere around 30%, which seems very generous to me. But all the good reviews are, agree with what the 68% of audience <laughs> who have deemed this certified fresh, they all are saying the exact same thing. They're like common sense media and places like that. That are just like it's wholesome entertainment, you know. I just I I, I want to laugh without like a bunch of like sex jokes, you know. It's like it, it really. I don't want them sneaking lesbian kisses into my commercials. Damn it! 
It's just financial hallmark. I love your redneck (laughs) voices. They're so good. Um, But, but I, I, it's just, it's really interesting that there really is truly a market for everything. And like, it doesn't matter what you're creating as long as you know who your audience is and you nail that because this show is not for me in any way. It's made by the creator of everybody. You watched two episodes. I did. It's by what? Everybody Loves Raymond? Everybody Loves Raymond, which is a great show. Like, I actually think that that's a great sitcom. You were in it for how many seasons? (laughs) But I think the sitcom form has kind of died. And if you're just playing to old tropes and old situations that we've seen a million times before, for me, it doesn't work. But for some people, that's exactly what they're looking for. And I just, like, I got a lot out of watching the show just because we're in the audience, we're in the business of telling stories and pleasing audiences. And I mean, what I saw, we did a whole entire show like a few weeks ago about you were really never there, which is like not a crowd pleaser at all. <laughs> like that's very, that's my very comfort food. <laughs> that's Dave's comfort food. That's my mac but and cheese. The point is there's, you know, the critics love that one. You know, at least a lot of them did and audiences didn't. And this one is the other way around. And you just kind of have to know what you're going for and what kind of story you're trying to create. Otherwise, you're going to miss your mark. Yeah, I, I think there's a place for everything. And I like, uh, like, I like something. Okay. Oh, you're going to confess to liking something funny. I, aren't well, you? well, I like when you guys that- hear that pause, that's always good stuff. Especially if he goes, <laughs> okay, okay. It's, it's me wondering whether I should say this publicly or not. We know. <laughs> uh, the retraction wait. will come later tonight. <laughs> Does this have anything to do with Hitler? No, Jesus. Not that I know of anyway. Do you uh, know the other day I was trying to find a sinister last yeah, name nope, and I never nope, do this. Nope, I'm like, nope. Are you going the way we shouldn't go? <laughs> I dress. <laughs> okay. So uh, when when my son was a baby and he'd wake up in the middle of the night, the only thing that would calm him down was watching Caillou. And I don't know a single other parent that likes Caillou. They all think he's a whiny little yeah, shit. Yeah, my, my kids have rants about Caillou. Yeah, okay. and we never watched it, so they went out of their way. And he just rants. commented, "Fuck that show." But I gotta tell you, <laughs> when I watch it, it's like Xanax for me. I I'm so relaxed, like it puts me to sleep. I loved it. <laughs> wow, put this file is under drunken confessions. Do you think Dave's had a lot of something this morning? <laughs> I mean, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but if it's on TV or something, I would be like, "Oh, that's so relaxing." Is what do you call because- a Caillou fetish? Yeah, is it because the tip of his, or his bald head looks like the tip of a cock? No, Jesus. And you know, there's tragic stories behind Caillou. If you if you look into it, like two of the actresses that played him died. No, I did, tragic. I did, I did not know that. There you go. There's Dave knows everyone who died. How do you and Sean, that? before you laugh at it, think about my friend who watched Caillou and died. <laughs> Wait, I would like to know what kind of Caillou rabbit hole you went down to find that out. Right, that's actually a really good question. Well, I was curious if Caillou was played by a boy or girl. Then I saw that it was played by several different people, and they all sounded the same. And two of the actresses had died. And I was like, Jesus, wow, that's insane. Maybe there's a factory just making voice actors for Can Caillou. you imagine some, like, beautiful mind-style fugue that Dave gets into and, like, got to cover research Caillou and he's drawing lines on a board? <laughs> Don't interrupt me. I found the secret. It's like it's kind of like the end of Mr. Robot. Anyway, uh my my something cool this week will be the season finale of Mr. Robot. Hi. But yes, the season finale of Mr. Robot. Uh the last episode 
just had such a left field at it. And I, I'm not going to ruin it for anybody, but holy fuck. So I can't wait for it this week. And also my other something cool, and I won't be able to get to it for a while, is uh, The Witcher is on Netflix. and uh, That's Netflix's Game of Thrones. Right? Uh, yes. And I've heard great thing, except for Entertainment Weekly, which... I don't know who these people are, but they had like some web article that just shit all over it. And a guy gave it zero stars. I don't see how that's possible unless you are just got a, a vendetta against Henry Cavill or something. But anyway, uh, from everybody else I've heard, the show is fucking phenomenal. And the game it's based on is like really cool uh, in the books and all that. So, well, it's based on books, which it's turned into. Anyway, I'm looking for it, a good. It does. Lo- it does look good. I mean, I think you have to like hard fantasy, but if you're into hard fantasy, like Game of Thrones, um, well, it, it's got magic and shit. It's 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 not quite Game of Thrones in in that aspect. But oh, like Game of Thrones had magic a little bit. But this it's is as more, close to Netflix as Game of Thrones as there is. This is a dude hunting monsters, and uh, one of the things about the video game, uh, which I've only played a little bit of it because I hate the combat system, but the stories in the game are so well done. uh, It's considered like one of the best storytelling games ever made. Um, And there's like hundreds of hours of stories. And the way they built the world, they put so much care and attention into every little detail. It's an open world of things that normally, you know, you'd see just a random NPC walking around. No, every NPC like had its own job. They had a schedule that they stuck. It was very detailed. Do the NPCs in this game miss their deadlines? <laughs> is an NPC, is that the thing that uh, looked like a giant spinning top in Tron? <laughs> Fuck both. That was the MCP, sorry. Or is okay, it MCT, coconut oil? Um, yeah. All right, my something cool is that I finished the longest project in the history of of time today. Um, <laughs> we'll tell you this the whole story behind this project, but it finished off at not. I didn't give a time frame. We'll tell you the story of this project eventually, but not now. Um, Have you ever heard Johnny complain about something this year? Even if indirectly, it was probably about this book. Now I complain about a lot of shit. That's a really high competition category. Like, are really you really going to put it on that? Um, no, but it was. Uh, it was. It finished off at two hundred and six thousand words, and it's not supposed to be an epic. Like the right length is we figured. We I thought it'd be like a hundred. And um, that's after throwing away nearly 100,000 words and months and months and months of development and redevelopment. It's the hardest project ever, but I finished it today. But now I have to call it back to a reasonable length. Now, is this a literary book or a book that will sell? It, it's it's if I could wave a magic wand and make this something because there's some of this that's out of my control, I would say that it is a classic style sci-fi book. Like I would yeah. like... I would like you know it to be one is. of those books people talk about in sci-fi. Yeah, it's Christopher Nolan. It's like, oh, uh, you know, it's it's Inception or um, Tenet, which, uh, I, like, I want to go to a theater just to, it's a, right now, Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet, has some amazing trailer that you can only see in the theater, and I really, really want to see it. <laughs> because he is a filmmaker that just, his ideas are so big, and then he executes. And that's awesome. So, the book that we have now is like that. It's a really big idea. It's sci-fi. Um, there's a literary bent to it, but in the same way that Christopher Nolan is a literary bent to doing sci-fi. Like, it's just, you know, he's he has a higher aim, and our book has a higher aim, 
but we got real lost in the weeds. The funniest and, thing about this project is that no, but neither of us could keep track of what had actually happened, which version. We were like, did that make this version or is that two versions ago when we axed it? Because there right. were smaller things we threw away in chapters and stuff. In yeah, addition, well, we had a 20,000 word outline and then we had a hundred or a 90,000 word draft. And then this latest draft. And there are times when we were having story meetings when we literally did not know if the thing that we were talking about happened in the outline, the first version through, or this one. And it it's feels like, like everything I write. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, really <laughs> curious and totally afraid with half of my mind to read this again because I would say there's... I got to throw this all the way and do it again. Well, I, I, I won't feel that. I definitely won't feel that. That's just not in my nature. But I think that what I will feel is one of two things. Either, um, wow, this is a lot of work, but the, the ideas are good. I think that's actually the worst case scenario. The ideas are good, but it's going to take a lot of work. But there's a slim chance that I'm going to read it and go, oh, really doesn't need nearly as much as I thought. And it's just a long fucking story. Yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Um, in fact, um, Johnny and I haven't talked about it because this is the first time we're talking today. <laughs> but um, but I've I've been right behind him on this project because like the, literally he's behind me now. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, the storytelling on this one has just been. It's not that it's to the wire. It's that there's been concern as we're closing in to the end that it's not going to be the end because the end. It's we felt like it's right at the end for fifty thousand words. So well, um, uh, to be fair, I've I haven't felt that at all. I felt like it avoids the end. It's running parallel to the end, never getting closer to it. That's the way <laughs> I've felt. So we didn't want that to happen. And Johnny's plea lately has just been, it just can't go any longer. Like we got to close it. So I've been right behind him, and we've had very frequent story meetings. And um, he had an epic day yesterday of writing. Yeah, it was fourteen thousand words, and this is after like months and months of me not being on my game. So like 14,000 is much, much more than it normally would have been for me, although it's still a lot anytime. Like even on a peak day, like it's just, you know, and, and we're talking about complicated stuff, but here's the point of that. And this is worth telling everybody. And I've just, this is a constant, this is, this goes all the way back to the very first project I ever had with Johnny, which was Unicorn Western. And he was trying to finish it before we met um, at South by Southwest. And he had a 12,000 word day, I remember. Yeah, this is, and, he's talking about the final book in this series. And I remember reading that and just being like, what the fuck? There's nothing to edit. It's just in flow. And the words I got back yesterday, the last chapter you wrote, dude, <laughs> is so clean. Oh, wow. I don't remember what it is. I actually think, and I, we'll close this down because it's, uh, without going into detail on what the project is, it's going to lose any meaning that it has for you guys. Uh, which we don't want to do right now because we have a whole other show. But I do think that the the lesson here is um, it's a confidence lesson. So I actually um, I actually think that that what happened yesterday and what started to happen toward the end, which was like brute force, it was just like, dude, it needs to finish. And I had some shit this morning that normally I would have just been like, okay, I've written enough. It, I had like 4,000 words and I was like, it'll be fine. I'll just stop for the day. But I didn't want it to go past today, like period. This is just the day I said that, no, I'm done. And so I've had to push past things that I normally would have surrendered. And so I've had to push through some things that I wasn't terribly confident about, but I was just like, fuck it, I'll fix it later, I'll fix it later. So to hear that is interesting because when I did the Unicorn Western one or other things like this, I didn't really doubt it. Like I was cocky enough to be like, yeah, it's fine. 
But this, I was like, well, I feel like these chapters are good, but I don't know if they make any sense compared to the rest. I don't know if they're doing their job. And dude, if you've read what I- well, they made more sense. When you read what I do today, tell me if you don't feel like all the I's got dotted and all the T's got crossed. And what <laughs> I was lost through the whole thing was we're going to have so many loose ends. But lo and behold, it happened. Like, it worked. So I think that next year for me is I really, really – because now I feel like I'm back up to speed after two years of, like, slogging. Um, like, it'll be interesting to go back full speed into a project and just be like, no, I got it. I got it. So we'll yeah, see. Yeah, and I'm really excited for that because I had faith in this – well – it was easier for me because I wasn't um, I wasn't a slave to the draft like Johnny was, um, so I I could have more faith. I could be like, we've been through this enough times. It's gonna be fine. Wait till you get to the end. Stuff always resolves itself. And Johnny's like, yeah, but we're two hundred thousand words in, and so well. And what I commented during the draft we threw out was, I have about seventy thousand words. This is a Slack that I sent to Sean, and I think I'm reaching the end of Act One. Like it was something like that where it just, it wouldn't move forward. And what's going to be really interesting about this book when it's done is, is once we've sewn it all together, the reason it was so hard, the reason it took so long is because it kept taking turns that I never saw coming, never saw coming. So if that works, it's going to be really, really good for the reader because they're never going to see it coming because we didn't see it coming. I'm talking like button hooks, like 180 degree turns. And so then it would, I had to recalibrate. We'd never planned for that. And that's what made it so hard. Yeah, I'm totally guessing here, but I'm guessing you'll probably add, add 10% and subtract 10% and give me something that's real close to word count. That would be um, surprising, but also very cool. I was thinking I'd have to lose like 30% or more. No, but then when I get it back, I'll probably lose 20 yeah. off the top. Um, but but th- that's it. Like By the time it gets to me that final time, I'll be like, well, we don't need that. <laughs> We don't need that. We don't need that. But anyway, this has been a, a huge project for both of us this year, and it's awesome to finish the year without it. And so um, with that said, I just I think that that's interesting. Like I've you know been doing this for a while. I have almost 100 books to my name, and, and that's something that I'm still learning. So let that be a lesson to all of you, and we'll do a full rundown um, when we can. So as far as today's actual show topic, because in true fashion, of course, we took our time, but who gives a shit? Um, we're yeah, but just, we talked about that project, which was a year-long project. And, and, that, and that actually yeah. feeds right in. You're right. Yeah. It feeds into it. Because today is the 2019 wrap-up. And um, I mean, I wrote a handful of books in 2019, but but nowhere near what I would normally do, because not only was this a long-ass project, it was a long project. Like, just it was long in words, but then those words were longer even than they should have been. So most of my year was spent on this. So I'm going to go sit down somewhere else. <laughs> you guys can finish the show and talk about other things. But that's what I did this year. Um, I actually had a record um, year in writing. Um, I'm at by the time next week, by the time I finish out, I'll be at 1.65 million words. I think um, that's awesome. And I think last year was like. A little over a million, so it, <clears throat> that's big. Now I don't want to sustain this, <laughs> so I do. I have one more year in me that I want to hit two million words in 2020. That's my actual goal. Um, but if I do that and I have everything that I've, we've kind of mapped out, I'll end next year a year ahead, and then I can really slow down and take. You know, right right now I can't really take my time if new opportunities come in because I'm really trying to shepherd everything forward. But once I get, you know, a year ahead, I can 
take time to do whatever I want. Oh, well, we should really be adapting this stuff into scripts and pitch packages. Or Is that 1.6 in just novels or including script writing and other stuff that you've done? It includes script writing and other stuff that I've done, okay. but this is actually the first year that I have. I think I don't think I produced a script this year. I think it was all. I just didn't have time. I meant to. It was on my list to do four scripts, one ever, one per quarter. But I. Didn't. I thought you had worked on something we done earlier. In the oh year. God, I forget. No, I I did two scripts this <laughs> year. <laughs> wow. Yes, I I finished. Two Maybe scripts. you did hit two million. <laughs> I, 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 uh, scripts are hard because the word count is very low um, and the time spend is very high. But no, I, I actually did. I, I totally forgot about that. So yes, we had two projects that we we created scripts for. Uh, boy, that just ended like a like a break. Uh, that's it. That's the end of the show. <laughs> that was that was done. We're, okay. So um, yeah. So what did so. What did we do this year? I mean, let's. You want to talk about the big wins, the way that the company has changed. Um, at the end of 2018, we were just fi- boy. That feels like a long time ago, given what I'm about to say. That's when we were finishing up our clocking out project, which we said was the last education like thing other than books that we would do, and that has remained true. It was we were we had shut down our smarter artist division, all the event based education, boot camps, and stuff events. Um, and that was our, our, but our last summit was this year. Um, we, we transitioned, like there's a lot of, perce- I mean, anybody want to pick any of these topics? We, we, we procedurized the company a lot. Um, yeah. What I would pick is like, I think our biggest win is just preparation. And this is the year that we really, really grew up. Um, okay. So I, if I'm a listener, sorry, let me pause that. If I'm a listener and you just said that. I've heard some version of that a time or two by now. Like this is the this is our building year. So so how is this year different? Well, because we we contracted. So every time we had a choice, and there were so many times this year, every time we had a choice to do the easy thing or the hard thing, or the thing that would reward us more immediately versus what's best for the long term stability of our studio, every single time we went with long term. Um, and that wasn't easy. Like, so going into this year versus last year, this is actually interesting because, uh, yesterday we had our last meeting of the year. Um, Dave wasn't there, um, but, <laughs> but it was our last meeting of the year and it was, it was very warm because, you know, it's, it's, it's the end. Um, we're saying goodbye to the year and we were dreaming about the next year, which we'll get to that in a moment. Cause that is a cool story. Um, but as we're talking about it, we were talking about what the difference is between the end of 2018 and, you know, the end of 2019. And we haven't really, um, made any significant changes as far as the way we do things. What we've done is gotten better at the way we do things. And we've come closer together and we have more of a unified goals and more unified belief systems. And last year we were, we were going into the year with some false assumptions. We had some really what we thought were strong partnerships um, and that didn't really pan out. And the difference is this year we're relying on ourselves. Um, We're relying on our storytellers, on the product that we have built, on things that we have done rather than, oh, this person says they're going to pull those levers. So they're going to pull those levers. That didn't really happen for us. 
And it cost us a lot of momentum. And going into next year, we're just, we're ready. So last year we had a lot of product and we thought we could push product into market and, you know, churn the algorithms and get merchandising. And neither of those things really happened. And so the difference is this year, instead of trying to build, you know, traffic towards a world and barely keep up with our production schedule, we took a big deep breath and a big step back and said, what do we do to be a sustainable company and have various product lines? And the question became, okay, once we start turning the flywheel, we never want to slow down again because that's what happened. We had finally started turning the flywheel a few years ago to where, you know, money from our fiction kind of just came in because we existed and that was really exciting. And we stopped turning the flywheel and that all dried up. So we had to start over. Well, Just the like, times were changing, right? So right. we stopped the flywheel turning while everything was changing in publishing. Yeah. And so, you know, that's our fault. That's our bad. But I think it's relevant to a lot of people listening because we're starting in the same place. And I think that gets lost on a lot of people actually listening to this is that we have all these resources and you know, we have all this power and potential. And really, we're starting with blank pen names, including ourselves, because our also boss got fucked. So we're inventing new pen names for ourselves and invisibly publishing a certain amount of our stuff. Uh, you know, that takes time. We have to do it the same as anybody else. Like our rules are the same, except we're actually a little bit handicapped. Um, you, you know, we have to be scrappy, same as anybody. We have to build a list, same as anybody. We have to run AMS ads, same as anybody. So taking the time to do that and know that we're going to, you know, launch authors one at a time, you know, staggered. Uh, it was it was hard to know that, okay, well, we're not going to make any money on authors that we put a year of investment into yet. We have to wait. Um, and that was a decision that I'm really proud of. You know, we have a... a a really high quality stable of authors. And across the board, we decided that we were going to um, work with all of them and train all of them and make them, you know, lifelong career authors. And that meant that, you know, we've been working with um, the, the oldest people there, not in age, but just with how long they've been at our studio, have now been actively writing with us every single week for a year and a half without ever publishing anything because that's how long it takes for us to prepare. And I think that the, the general mindset in publishing right now is get out there as fast as you can. And we're taking the opposite approach. And <clears throat> I mean, it was absurdly expensive to run a company and train a lot of authors for a year and a half without getting those authors to market. So 2020 is a time when, you know, we're gonna see, right now our count is 149 books for next year. And we took like, <clears throat> You know, 30 off um, and move them to 2021. And we actually have, I don't know, a dozen or so books that are already in the can, completely done, covers, a couple of them even have audio for 2021. And a good half of everything that we're going to publish next year is already done. So as a company, we've never been that before. You know, we were we thought we were prepared last year, but we were still missing deadlines by, you know, January, February, March. We were having to adjust the calendar. And now we have a calendar that's kind of locked and loaded, and we're going to be able to deliver that content. And that's just, we've never been in that position before. Um, if you go back a few years, you know, Dave and I were missing every deadline. You know, we never, we never made anything work. <laughs> but, you know, 
Dave has had a crazy great year of just being focused and doing his work and showing up, not to meetings, but like on the page. <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're a good six months ahead, um, except for one little project. And that's actually my fault, not Dave's. There was something that like, I just, uh, <laughs> like I, I've dropped it way down to handle some other shit. And I, I may be a 3000, 300,000 word project behind. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm really, really happy that we have like runway for the first time. And, and yes, Johnny had a very hard year, you know, focused on mostly one project, but that's what he needed to get his mojo back. And like, I can see it on the page. I can feel it talking to Johnny next year is going to be his best year ever. And I think, you know, it, it's going to come from a very genuine place because I don't think we even realized until this year I mean, we knew that the education stuff wasn't for us and that we had to usher out. But once it was gone and we could really like start getting our mojo back and our, our actual creative, like it took Johnny longer to transition out because I think we realized how much he actually didn't want to do the other stuff once it was gone. And there was, I don't know, like a hangover from it. Like he had to get that out and find the other part back. Yeah, we sort of steered into... Um, Sterling and Stone being something that I kind of never really saw coming. And Sean probably always did see it coming. And I think that just early on, I guess I just didn't realize that. And what's interesting is um, I got to be Dave. I got to, um, you know, I came along and suddenly I, you know, swooped away a lot of Sean from Dave and the company kind of came along and swooped away a lot of Sean from me. And so now Dave and I are the grumbly curmudgeons who are you know going to sit back here and go can we just write damn it but um but that's it it changed you know everybody's relationship was with everybody else and it it, there was a transition time but i'm really really happy with where things are right now and sometimes you just have to work through some of that shit i think yeah this is the happiest i've seen johnny at the company in years since i moved here since i moved to texas i was thinking about it the movement is right was right before the summit the first summit, that's when things started to get a little weird, a little different. Yeah, that, that's right. And now, like, just being focused on story is, is where we are. And I like having a company, you know, where we're building something really substantial and for legacy. And that takes a certain amount of, like, being on that Johnny's more suited to telling stories and Dave's more suited to telling stories. And uh, like, I'm a I'm lot really more Dave-like than I realized. I'm, I'm seeing it more and more. <laughs> and I, I really like, you know, ushering the, the entire studio forward. And I don't know, it's been really a rewarding year. It's been a very difficult year for sure. Um, because working with authors is, is, is hard, you know, like we want to, we want to take them, we want everyone to be just really, really successful. So we want them to, whether they're working on a, um, a collaborative product line or working to develop their own product line, which is everybody's, you know, eventual dream, pretty much. Um, it, it's just, it's very rewarding to nurture that and to see somebody grow and be able to, you know, do that. And uh, one of our authors who is has their own product line will have content every three weeks starting once we launch in early next year. They've been working for a year and a half. And in that time, they've gone from somebody who, Oh, you could just feel that they just so wanted to tell stories to somebody who can tell stories just like like they're breathing. And that's like we're not responsible for that because this author did all the work. But 
we're partly responsible for that. And that's exciting. And that's such a win-win. That's what we're trying to build over and over and over. Because if we pull this off, we've changed this author's life. Now they're a full-time storyteller. That's what they've dreamt about forever. And that works for us. Like we, we have a piece of their IP and we're helping them to build their dream. And they're helping all the other authors in our studio with their creative energy and ideas. And like that storytelling fabric that we put together every week, it's just this year showed me that it's better than we ever thought it would be. It's going to do more than we ever imagined. And it's just a, it's a more altogether rewarding experience. But having said that, you know, floating the company for, you know, a year and a half without putting a lot of new product to market and just investing in the time it takes to get it right, that's been hard. Yeah, I think it's been closer to two years of floating the company. Um, but this was all necessary, all part of the journey. So I have a question for you guys. So I'm a first-time listener. I come to the show and I'm like, okay, I got to start when with the most current episode. I'll go back, listen to the archives later. I'm just wanting to figure this stuff out. Is this an easy business? Self-publishing, oh, no. get into it. Is it an easy thing? Am I going to be doing well right away? No, not at all. I think that everyone, I think that's the biggest problem with the industry right now is, is impatience. I think people want it fast because it happened fast before. Um, but before, uh, fast before. sorry, um, I, I want to let you answer the question that I asked because I asked it. But just to calibrate for everybody, 2012, 2013, it was the Wild West. And it was like, if you build it, they will come. You could just throw stuff out. And it's changed a lot. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, I think by an order of magnitude. I, I mean, uh, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's 10 times harder now. I don't it think it's an exaggeration at all. You know, if you, for, I mean, and we made this argument because we came from a marketing space back then. And we said, you know, uh, if you know a little bit about marketing. And, oh, my God. I remember this. Damn us. Yeah, if you know a little bit about marketing and, um, okay, you could be an okay writer and a good marketer, you're going to make a lot more money than a great writer and an okay marketer. Yep. And we said that in 2012, probably, and that just became more and more and more and more and more and more true. Now it really is about how well you can kick the algorithms. Your The, the quality of your story is not one of the five most important things you know, for getting attention. And that sucks. Like that really sucks. And we just keep believing as a company that that's not how you build a long-term business. And we go back over and over and over our work and we want to make sure that we're creating perennial content and that if we're building a story now, we're going to be able to sell that story in 10, 15, 20 years, just the same. And that there's also, you know, horizontal integration. So oh, we could turn that into a video game or a pitch package and you know that, that will work as a sitcom or a one-hour drama or a limited series or whatever. We're really trying to think long-term and all the stuff that we build. And uh, I think to... Well, oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, I, I think to be clear that uh, when you say the quality uh, hasn't mattered for a lot of successes, you're not talking about stuff that you just don't happen to like, like that Netflix special or the Netflix series. No, like no, company. I'm not talking about that You're talking at all. about objectively, like, just I'm talking about people shit. who are, will publish a rough draft. Yeah. And it doesn't, and, and they're proud about it too. It just doesn't matter to them <clears> because <throat> they're getting the results that they want. Right. But it's a lot of, like, you can trick people into buying your book. It's actually not that hard. But you can't trick people into being a fan. Like, that's just never going to happen. 
And we really, really want fans. So a lot of what we did in delaying some of our launches wasn't just to get our stuff in order, um, you know, and make sure that we had runway and enough of a catalog to where we wouldn't be running to catch up, but also how are we going to communicate with our readers? What are our lists going to look like? Because a list that Dave talks to is going to be different than a list that Johnny talks to or that yeah, I have a restraining authors. order against the list that we're talking about with Dave. <laughs> it's the watch list, the blacklist, the blacklist. So there is like, how do you talk to your community? Um, that has as much voice as the, the stories that you tell. And, you know, like part of having an entire year worth of calendar, that's really powerful. You know, like, Johnny can look at that and know what story he's going to tell. Okay, I'm going to be talking about this and then this and then this and then this. And it becomes a conversation. And that kind of stuff is is much more important to us than just empty marketing. So it's not about putting stuff out there. It's about uh, really developing that relationship with the reader. And part of that is the story that you tell on the page. But part of it is the story that you tell them in between your releases and, you know, how you nurture that fandom. Um, well, we did some other things this year. You want to hit some of the other highlights. We launched our um, new sort of mini nonfiction line, the stone tablet series. Um, we just recently released the fiction formula. If you don't know about that, it's at sterlingandstone.net slash the fiction formula. And um, as sort of as a sequel to write, publish, repeat, repeat, which codifies a lot of sort of the changes that we've been talking about, but also is much more craft focused, which is where we are as a company, a little bit less of the marketing sort of stuff because that was covered by WPR and is still relevant. Uh, a little bit more of the craft and sort of how to um, step into the, uh, the the flywheel turning that Sean was talking about, where you 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 create systems for yourself that just make things easier. That's what the formula refers to, because of course there's no true formula. Um, those are some of the big sort of nonfiction wins in addition to the fiction stuff. Do we, we want to break down any of that? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a hit at the, the nonfiction stuff because I mean, man, that made me happy. Um, and I remember the day it was born too. It was actually at our um, summit and, um, we just spent a couple of days with Neve cause she had been in, um, our last ever little closed door mastermind and, she was obviously going to be a part of our family in some way. <laughs> like it was just very clear immediately. I mean, first of all, she sat next to Dave for two days and um, <laughs> didn't like, didn't run away. It was actually, she found Dave to be a comfort. And when somebody finds Dave to be a comfort, they're definitely a keeper. But she also <laughs> just had, um, she just, Neve has this wonderful brain and she's got, um, she's got a lot of Dave in her, but she's also got a lot of Johnny in her and some Sean. She really is, um, I don't know, she just works in this company. and uh, She's already true evolved form. <laughs> she, she is. Yeah, she, she really is. The final phase. Um, so, uh, it, but her, she also has this, this wonderful background in, um, in nonfiction. Now, that's not her, her aspiration. She really wants to learn fiction. And, uh, I mean, not just creating it, but selling it, all of it. Um, but at, at that moment, we were talking about nonfiction, and I just had this light bulb. And like, I, I was sad to miss the stone table because I thought that we provided a really cool value there. I, we were doing something that no one was doing in quite the way that we were. It wasn't worth the overhead. It wasn't worth the time spent at all. But it was, it was a value that I wanted to give. I, there is a part of me that loves 
um, contributing in, in that way. Um, I'm married to a teacher. I, I, I do like it. It just, it has to be worth it for us. And it had become not, but doing um, a series of low cost books, I thought was awesome. It's an awesome solution to being able to share. Low cost and easily digestible. You know, they really, they really get to the point that like right publisher Pete, one of the big criticisms we heard was just get to the damn point already, guys. It's this huge, you know, I'm I'm sorry. I I, I didn't mean to say it so loudly. (laughs) Right. But the, I think the, the, the best part of the nonfiction year came about midway through the year. I want to say late summer, maybe. And we were starting to gear up for what is our release calendar for Stone Table look like in 2020? And what can we sell? You know, what do uh, authors need? And we were looking at that calendar and we had a whole list of releases. And then we blanked them all out and we changed the question. And this is one of my favorite moments of the year. It, the question became, what do we actually need as a studio? We're training all these authors and um, you know, right now we're not training any authors because we have enough and, you know, we have to finish what we started. But in 2020, we'll bring new people in. Um, starting early in the year, actually, we want to bring new people into the studio. Not necessarily authors, but there's other other artists that we need. Um, and later in the year, we will have authors. I mean, we're a storytelling business. So as we expand, we'll want more people. But we have found how ridiculously expensive in time and resources, it is to train an author. And we don't really have SOPs. We don't have standard operating procedures. And so why not build those? And that's what, what we're calling our core curriculum. And, you know, several of us are involved in it, but it's primarily like probably 90% uh, or more, uh, me and Bonnie. And we're just putting together, like, this is this is the information that we need to train authors. So like... Uh, w- w- the, the last one I did that starts the year, actually, so it'll be the first one people see, is all about what an author actually needs to learn and the way we learn. Because a lot of authors don't learn with any um, specificity or anything. They learn just kind of like hapdash, like, oh, I need to learn this. Oh, I need to learn that. And learning strategically is awesome. And so we've started to do that a lot more. Um, and so that's what that book is about. And then Johnny follows it up with one all about like why it's important to focus on craft because ultimately, um, by the way, I finished that yesterday, dude. It's great. Oh, you read it. <laughs> wow. That was fast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it was simple and I mean, you're- <laughs> yeah, it's a little less about, uh, about craft. It, the working title was craft. It won't stay that. So I went into it like thinking it was craft. It's really about kind of creating a legacy that legacy, endures. Yeah. It's about creating books that last rather than books that are just churn the mill. So if you're a little more mercenary and just kind of are in this to, to, to I don't know, churn out this. The author Sean was talking about before, earlier, and no, not pejorative at all. But this isn't the book for you, right? And then um, the one that Bonnie's just finishing up is all about. Um, uh, well, she actually finished the first one. That's all about premises. How you know when you have a killer premise how to take a a general idea and really tweak it into a premise. This is actually a book I think Dave you'll love because Dave's really good at that. I was just thinking that. Yeah. The one sentence hook, but then how do you turn that into a premise? That's just like, Oh, and, and we've never really said, this is how you do it. Um, You know, I'm writing one on collaborative world building right now. And Bonnie's finishing up hers last for the year is all about character models and how to build better characters. 
And these are like, this is our library. This is what it means to be a Sterling and Stone storyteller. And by developing that for us first and making sure that our authors have all the tools they need to be great storytellers, and then turning around and making that available as a super low cost library to anybody, uh, I just think that's win win for the community. And I mean, my hope is that more and more authors become allegiant to that way of doing things and just taking their time and telling better stories, which means that the stories out there are better and the reading experience is better and we don't lose it because I do think that there's a jeopardy there. I think people will always read and people will always be looking for good books, but if it's a shitty experience to go find a good book, that's it's going to erode and I don't want that to happen. <laughs> Um, I'd kind of like to uh, call on Dave a little bit and see what any thoughts on the previous year, more particularly, what are you looking forward to next year, if anything? <laughs> <laughs> are you looking forward for anything in 2020? I mean, it's got to be easier to look forward to the future of this company for you, right? Because it's less of the, you know, the stories to go and masterminds and stuff. Yes, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad that we got away from all that. That was never my wheelhouse. Although uh, this year... Uh, I think one of my highlights was actually nonfiction book that I did. So yeah. it's kind of funny. We get away from a lot of the, the the nonfiction, at least in courses and stuff. And I go and write a nonfiction book finally. Um, but you had some, some big wins in terms of momentum and production, right? I mean, Sean has said a few times, you would know if you attended meetings, but so you, you're missing some praise. But um, Sean said that Dave is, what do you say? It's something about like, I forget the wording you used. He's one of our most solid producers or something like that. Like you've said that a few times lately. What were the words? Just that? Well, I, I, yeah, that might be it. It's, it's just that Dave used to be, um, I mean, so Dave, before we started recording today. Dave produced um, better than me this year. Um, that is that is a fact, um, <laughs> and I think that's good for Dave. Like it's a little those, bad for me, but it's good for Dave. Those those wins, um, but you know what is awesome is going into 2020. We've never all been strong at once. We just haven't been. When I was strong, you know, Dave started to fall off, and then you and I started to work together, Johnny. And then once you fell off, like you know, then John, you know, Dave's back, and I went two years without writing anything only producing stuff because uh, for a million reasons, but whatever, like this year I produced, Dave finally started to get his groove back and it took all year, but Johnny has his groove back too. I think going into 2020, not only are we, so like Dave and I are ahead enough to where Dave has two, Dave has one project with two books that he's doing back to back. And I have a couple of things for CI that I'm cleaning up. <clears throat> but once we're done with those, we have a really, really, really cool project that we're working on. And it's it comes out at the end of this year and goes into next year. We're already on 2021. And that's that's a really good place to be. Creatively, I don't know that Johnny and I have ever been in a better place. We're just ready to hit what's next. Um, and being able to expand into film and television, we have cool audio possibilities right now that we're looking into. Um there's a lot of really awesome stuff. And actually, um, it, it, this would be a good time to maybe talk about the Avalanche um, because I know we're... Well, we're it's, it's the company it. as a whole, too, because we, we will also expand a little bit next year, not in terms of writers, but there will be other... We'll be looking. I mean, you know, keep an eye out for that if you want to work with Sterling and Stone. Um, but yes, the Avalanche is part of that, and it details some of those those jobs that we're looking at, right? 
Yeah, so um, I think Dave is the only one in the company who has not seen our avalanche so far <laughs> this year. Begin with the definition of what an avalanche is. Um, yeah, so uh, so the 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 avalanche is um, just a silly name because I name things with <laughs> silly names. I don't know why. Um, but it's I appropriate have- name for me anyway because when I see like all the shit, I'm like, ah, run! Yeah, it's but it used avalanche. to be so much more avalanchey. Like it used to feel like I was getting buried in shit. <laughs> Yeah, so the way we defined this yesterday, um, we, we we dropped it yesterday morning um, in Slack, and then um, had a had our meeting about it and, and just went over it. And um, uh, it, the way we put it in the meeting is that the avalanche used to be about a lot of goals and about a lot of things we wanted to do. And it's our now- year end document, simultaneously wrapping up the previous year and setting new goals. Right. So it's like, this is what our 2020 is going to look like. But the way it was arranged this year, it's we're a people company. So it was really about the the hopes and dreams of everybody in the company and how we can spend 2020 realizing them. So Dave participated in the avalanche by answering a short questionnaire. But the point of the avalanche is to see... You tricked me into the avalanche. I did trick you into the avalanche. I'm going to send you a link. It's like how we're going to trick you into writing how to win your marriage. Yeah. It was, it's really awesome. Like the, the, the way it was received, um, company wide is exactly what we were hoping for, you know, and, and it, I mean, down to Dave not responding to it. I'm waiting played, for the snow to settle and then I'll that, that played right up into and it. look. Um, but, but yeah, there's no, there's no obnoxious goals. Like there's all the goals are really founded in what we all have agreed that we are trying to do together. Um, and for the first time you can look at this document and see not only what you want, um, any given author, I mean, uh, any storyteller in our studio can look at what they want, but then see how it plays into what everybody else wants. And even if you're just a, a solo author, it's really, really worth taking the time at the end of the year to reflect on what you did well, what you could have done better and what you expect from the following year and most importantly not just what you expect from the coming year but what you are willing to do to make that happen and really be honest with yourself because a lot of authors that we have met over the years this seems to be pervasive they really like the dreaming part but when it comes time to like what they're actually willing to sacrifice to make that dream happen they're a lot less willing or they're a lot less honest with themselves and that's why resolutions well, die. Not so everybody's fast. into child sacrifice. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> it didn't take long. It took it's almost long the, the whole the episode. We're, we're basically wrapping up at this point. So anyway, I think it's always worth taking um, the time to be reflective at the end of the year. And if you really do it with honesty and being critical of yourself in the right ways and celebrating the right things, uh, I think it does elevate what you could do the next year. Well, and I've sort of closed down by saying what we're looking forward to in the coming year. I mean, I can go first. I'm looking forward to having a year. I'm looking to having a return to basically four years ago. Like it's, it's, it is interesting to think that 2006, 17, 18 and 19, honestly, kind of now that I'm thinking about it, some of 16 were really off relative to how I began this journey. And I'm looking forward to going back to it. Like I, it really has been a while and it'll be interesting to see what that pure, you know, octane is. Yeah. I have nothing but high hopes. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to the project that Sean's talking about and uh, that we'll be writing it with uh, somebody that I think will be very fucking phenomenal at it. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing um, uh, the dreams for the authors who've been working with us the longest. I'm I'm excited to see them hit market and see success. Um, my, my success. I mean, this isn't even just a Pollyanna answer. I, I plan on being you know, much more <laughs> egocentric in 2021, but in 2020, my, you success want lessons. You let me know. I'm good at that. <laughs> in 2020, I want my success to come from the people in our studio. Like I, I really, really want to see some of them have big home runs. Um, and for us, the, the home runs that I want to see really aren't about book sales even. Um, but I want to see some of our stuff get to film and television. And it looks like we have, I'd be shocked if we didn't have, two sales bona fide next year, if not more. Yeah. I, I actually think we'll have three. That's no, I was going to say three, but I was allowing one of them to drop through the cracks. Yeah. Well, I, but, but I think that two of those, I, I agree. I think two, <laughs> I think one of those may, and I think that there's something we don't know about yet. I think it allows for that, but I do think we'll have three and, and that'll feel really gratifying because we've been talking for a long, long, long time about, you know, film and television and even going back, before we really accelerated again and, and, and stepped out of education and just doubled down so that we could do film and television, our best case scenario has always been 2020. And I feel like we're really poised. Like we're not going into it starting in 2020 and figuring this out. We're, we're ready. No, we're, we we're went ready. into 2018 thinking it was our year and it was actually starting. This is the one where like, okay, we took two years to start. So now we can do the real thing. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of film and television, I almost feel like wouldn't it be cool to start the year off with Jono or something? Like we should get him back on, uh, get him on since we already talked to Jesse. He's such an exuberant guest and such a get it, you know, get it brighter. He's like, he's a hustler. Yeah, um, well, he he is. And I think that he's, he's somebody who anybody listening to this can if not be relate or not relate to at least be inspired by because he's somebody who's like, I want to make this thing and I'm going to go figure out how to get somebody else's money <laughs> to make this thing for me because he's not like, John who like, is the writer of Savannah bananas. We don't need other people's money to make our things. Now we will, as we go, you know, I mean, we already have a couple of big projects, including the audio thing that we're batting around. That's they're just big projects. Dave, we talked about that in a meeting. If you want to know what it is, I'll send you a link. But um, those projects, they're just, they're bigger. They require capital. They require just a, a lot of stuff that we don't have. For a lot of people, most people listening to this, you're talking about your book. It's very low cost to get your ideas out there. Um, but it's fun to hear people at a different scale when they're like, okay, here's the story I want to tell. Here's how I got somebody else to pay for telling it. All right. Well, we'll close the, uh, wait, did we do, we, we didn't, oh, Dave said you were looking forward to that one specific project. Yeah. So, okay. So to close this, um, to close this down, I'll just, um, mention that, uh, if you do like our book updates, our nonfiction book updates, cause that is the way that we're doing nonfiction now, um, make sure you sign up at sterlingandstone.net slash stone table. And honestly, guys, if you want to attend live, sign up for that and start showing up because, oh my God, single digits, I'm not sure that it makes sense to do live. So if you want to join us live, you can get updates at sterlingandstone.net slash live show. So um, that'd be really cool to have a good crew. 
and um, <laughs> have a party here uh, Fridays at 3 p.m. Central Time, which is Dave's wake up time. So it works out. Yeah, I'm well. like, I woke up and like nobody's showing up, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, a serious are. props to those of you who did. Like, I don't want to knock you guys down. You're awesome. Um, so there's that. But uh, but but that's it for the year. And and like I mentioned earlier, there will be some opportunities to work with us next year. Um, not as writers, but it's also not something we're selling. In the past, we've been like, work with us. Give us money. We're not doing that anymore. It's just be like, work with us. Um, we'll tell you more about that later if you're on our mailing lists. And I guess that's it. Any final words for uh, 2019 before we leave you guys? Um, no, but thank you for your attention. I think that if you're listening to this, you probably listened to our shenanigans for a long time and you know watched us bounce all over the place. And just thank you. I hope that um, you know our hard years have at least provided some guidance. And I hope that our amazing year next year will provide even more. Uh, Dave, last chance to yell obscenities in 2019, publicly anyway. Now, and I'm a, a pleasant thank you as well. All right. Well, it's also, I'm, I'm being a little erroneous because if I'm saying public, like, you know, he's going to be out at Target yelling obscenities. So there are many other opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, Dave, you could come to any Florida Target and hear me screaming in the parking lot. Dave's going to get a job as angry Santa. He'll be out instead of ringing a bell. He's just calling an ass wipe. Or something. You? It's How pretty cool. you haven't ever been a Santa? You could totally do that. Um, no. Does anybody <laughs> else want to write Santa Dave with me? No, no, no. Ho, ho, ho. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, thank you guys for a good year, an awesome year, and we'll uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Adios.